You are listening to the Manifesting God podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. Again, you are listening to the Manifesting God podcast. I am your host, Prophetess Marie Elizabeth Kenyon. I am so glad to see you all on this evening. Listen, it's been a good day, has it not? God has kept you. You woke up this morning. God had breathed his fresh life, breath into you, and you have new life in him. And today is your day. You need to open up your mouth and declare it when you wake up in the morning. Today is my day. I own this day. Why do I own this day? Because God has already planned for me this day. All I have to do is walk it out. All I need to do is stand and walk it out. Can I tell some of you, just some of you, this is not for everybody, but there's a shift coming. Come on, here the prophet is. There is a shift coming. I woke up this morning. I swear it had to be maybe around, uh, you know, with the time change and everything. Let's say it was somewhere between one and one thirty. I woke up and I could just feel everything moving and shifting and getting into place. God is shifting. He's doing a shifting right now. I'm talking a literal move. You may even feel the jerk as you get moved from left to right or from right to left. It's, it may even feel like an earthquake because everything around you may seem to be moving and shaking. But in fact, it is you that is moving. It is you that is shaking. It is you now. It is you now that God is calling for his purpose. It's you now. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to the person that's been told them many times that God has this, that, and the other, and the prophecies that have come. I'm talking to the person whom God himself has touched, whom God himself is shifted, is moved, is thrusting. I'm talking to that person today. I'm talking to that person today. And listen, let me tell you something. Things are not going to look the same. No, they're not. Things are not going to be the same. Not any longer. Not any longer. It's not going to look like what it used to look like. Why? Because you're in a different place. And God said, you don't have to worry about what to say, what to do. He said, I had the plan. I have the plan. You're going to walk it out as I give it to you. You just have to be in a position to be able to maintain what has been handed to you, that place that you have been moved in. While everything around you might look unfamiliar, your trust, all of your trust, all of your hope. Hope has to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the only way we're going to move forward. Because let me tell you something. God is doing it so quick that you might be, you might consider backing up. 
You might consider uh, a pausing to, to kind of wrestle and, and, and plan it through because, you know, sometimes we can be such planners, speaking of myself, but this is a time when God says, no, you don't have the plan, Marie. I have the plan for your life. I have the plan for your life. And you're going to stay positioned in a place where God can move you, where he can adjust you. Yeah, where he can, where he can position you. Mm -hmm. Go to Acts 16 and 13. Timothy's going to be our example for today. Timothy, Acts 16 and 13, one through three. We're just going to a brief background here. Now, Paul traveled to Derby and also to Lystra. A disciple named a disciple named Timothy was there. He was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer in Christ. However, his father was Greek. So verse two says, Timothy was well spoken of by the brothers and sisters who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to go with him as a missionary. And he took him, and I'm in the amplified version, and he took him and he circumcised, circumcised him. He cut him because of the Jews who were in those places since they all knew his father was Greek. He had to be cut for identification. Come on, I've been cut for identification. I've been cut for identification. Now let's just talk a moment about who Timothy is. Timothy is a man. He was from Lystra. Timothy, as I said, his father was Greek and his mother was a Jewish Christian, but he'd been taught the Old Testament as referenced in 2 Timothy 1 and 5 and 3 and 15. And he came from, to me, a, like a, a excellent, a excellent background. Why do I say an excellent background? I say that because he had a knowledge of what was believed by Greeks and what was believed by Jews. So to me, he would be uh, one that would be perfect as a, 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 a Paul, a Paul who could, who could defend properly what he believed and he could defend what he believed. Why? Because he knew what the uh, uh, opposing, opposing party in the conversation believed. He would know that if he were talking to a Greek, he would understand fully of the, of the many gods, their polytheistic ways and how they served many gods. He would understand all the different gods and he would be able to dispel or slowly break down their truth. He would be able to break down their truth with his knowledge of who the Lord Jesus or of who the Lord Jesus Christ was, of who God was. He understood the Old Testament and then Paul came along and then Paul began to teach him of who the Lord Jesus Christ was. And he began to get a greater understanding of who God was. So we're talking about a man that was that had had the information required to properly disciple. 
See, see, there, there's a reason why at times you will hear me talk about uh, what the Webster's Dictionary says, what theologians say, uh, how, how theologians define something before I tell you what God has shown me. Why? Because in order to win some, you have to be able to break down their truth. And the only way that you can break down their truth is you have to know what their truth is. You have to know what it is that they believe. You have to know their why so that you can begin to subtly dismantle, dismantle what it is that they've given their understanding over to. Sometimes the only way you can win people is to understand what they believe to break it down, to break down what they've given their understanding to. This is a this is a practice that has become um, that has become well known, I believe, with Paul, because Paul could debate God. He could he could break down what people that he were talking to believed, And the reason why he was able to do that, because he was so well educated. He was so well educated. And then now we see here he's bringing Timothy along. So you know that there were conversations had and lessons taught that that really gave Timothy a sound understanding of who God was, a sound understanding. And see, Paul wanted him to go with him on his missionary travels, and he did so. Timothy helped Paul to evangelize in Macedonia and Achaia. That's in Acts uh, 17 and 18. He was with them when he was preaching in Ephesus. That's in Acts 19. He traveled with him from Ephesus, Ephesus to Macedonia to Corinth. That's in Acts 20. He went back with them to Macedonia, Asia Minor. He also, they believe, theologians believe that he even went with him all the way to Jerusalem. He was with Paul, they believe, during the first imprisonment that was in Philippians 1, Colossians 1. Philemon won. They believe that Timothy was with him. But see, we get to a point that even though Timothy was with him, Timothy eventually stayed in Ephesus because there were issues that had to be dealt with in Ephesus. And guess what? When he stayed in Ephesus, he was alone. All that Paul had taught him. Can I tell you that it is way easier way easier for some of us to mouth off and be great in God when our leader is there. When our leader is there, we can prophesy the greatest. We can we can testify, preach, pray the greatest. But when the leader now, when you are alone, that tells that tells the story. That tells the story. That tells us what we've learned. That tells us what we've comprehended when we're alone. When we're alone, see, see, we can we can do uh, many things to put on a performance, but see, performance time ends when we're alone. When we're alone, and this is where Timothy finds himself. When we go to Second uh, Timothy two and one, this is where Timothy finds himself alone, dealing with the issues of the church, dealing with the issues of those that 
called themselves saints. He is alone. Yes, he was there with Paul as Paul traveled. Yes, he had conversations with Paul so that Paul would, but Paul was the head. He was there when Paul did the did what Paul did, when Paul ministered as he did, but eventually Timothy was left alone, left alone where Timothy had to perform what he was taught. When are we or how are we performing what we've been taught? How well do we perform what we've been taught when we're alone? Uh, uh, are we are we reliable? Are we trusted teachers of the word of God? Can we be trusted to teach what has been uh, freely? freely imparted to us by our leadership are we are we able to articulate that which we've learned when we're alone when we're alone or is it um or are we uh the repeaters of what's been said in our man or woman of God's presence but we have no testimony no revelation of our own that we can share that we can share. Second Timothy two and one, it says, you then, my son, and this is Paul writing to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, how many of you know that uh, Tim, uh, Paul would not have to tell Timothy to be strong if there wasn't an issue where he detected that Timothy might be weakening? So he needed to remind Timothy of who Timothy was and who Timothy, uh, why Timothy was where he was. And not because, not because Timothy was pitiful and broken down or anything like that, but Timothy clearly needed a reminder that the letter had to start with be strong and the grace. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Don't forfeit, don't give up, don't run off. Be strong in the grace. So, so you might have had a moment of weakness. Step back up and get strong in your grace because you, you have a grace that's holding you up. While your knees are buckling, there's a grace that's holding you up up. Then it says uh, in verse two, it says, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust and trust to reliable, and I'm in the NIV version, reliable people who will also be qualified to teach. Now, what I saw there was he told Timothy, stop wasting your words. Give the words that I gave to you that are now coming out of your mouth, give them to reliable and qualified people who are able to teach others. So if they're not reliable, if they're not dependable, if they're not loyal, don't give them your words. If they're not able to, if they're not able to articulate it, what you give them, if they're not able to teach it to another, do not give them your words. Paul is instructing him. And here I see a Timothy that's frustrated because he does not see results and he's getting frustrated. And he's getting, and Paul is like, hey, 
Pay attention to those that are loyal and reliable and those that are qualified. They are qualified because they've been through your testing, Timothy, not mine, but your testing. They're the ones, they're the ones that are qualified to teach. So you're going to give them your words and because they're reliable and they're qualified to teach and let them, let them teach it to others. You're going to, you know, I, I see here a Timothy again, like I said, who, who might be just a little bit aggravated and frustrated. And wondering what am I doing that that I'm not that I'm not seeing results? And he's like, you're trusting your words to people who are unreliable, and they're not even qualified to teach. I don't care if you have twenty two or two, the two that can that are reliable, loyal, and they will teach it to others. Then you give them your words. Verse three it says, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. He's telling Timothy to resist the urge to run. And in case you haven't noticed what he's telling Timothy here, he first tells him to be strong in the grace, but then now he's telling him how to maintain your strength. He tells them in two and one, be strong in the grace. But then he begins to tell them, tell him how to maintain his strength. First of all, only give your words to reliable and to reliable people who are qualified to teach others. Second, don't be afraid of suffering. Don't be afraid of suffering. Yes, you might you might run up on someone and think that they're going to be reliable and that they may be qualified to teach others. And then later you find out that's really not true. Don't give up. Go to the next person and try again and try again. To my leaders out there, I know sometimes you get frustrated. You thought you had reliable. You thought you had a teacher. You find out they are none of those things. Don't give up. Your loyal person that is qualified to teach is right around the corner. My leader had to wait years on me to mature, to mature. Sometimes, sometimes maturity has to catch up with wisdom. I might understand it, but how to perform it, I don't know how because I might be immature. But if you can wait for them to mature, they will catch up with that wisdom and they will understand how to perform it. Yes, you might have to repeat yourself. Yes, the person that you thought was reliable and qualified to teach others might not be ready today, but tomorrow they might be. Don't give up. Don't give up. Resist the urge to cut and run. He's telling Timothy, resist that urge. He said, verse four, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. He's telling Timothy, um, a way to hold on to your strength is don't get caught up in what's in all the goings on around you. Focus, focus, don't get caught up in everything that's going on around you. Don't worry about the little tit-tats and argument. Don't work. That is, don't get caught up into that. Your job is to please God. Don't get caught up and distracted 
by every little every little whimper every little moan every little cry stay focused on those that are reliable and qualified to teach and decide what words you're going to give them to share with others paul says it like this to the church in first thessalonians 4 11 he says make it your ambition to live quietly and peacefully and to mind your own affairs work with your hands just as we directed you just like an athlete they don't they receive the victor's crown because they abide by the rules so he's telling timothy here these are the rules this is what's going to help you to maintain your strength give your words to reliable people who are qualified to teach join in be comfortable in the suffering resist the urge to run off and don't get caught up in the civilian affairs the minor goings on focus focus is what he's telling him because he's telling him now listen there's no way you're going to win this race unless you follow the rules these are the rules this will help you to hold on to your strength i'm telling you all under the sound of my voice this is what's necessary to maintain your strength this is what's necessary leaders pastors apostles prophets pastors teachers event this is what's necessary so hold on to your strength you give your words to people you can trust and that will those people they can teach it to others you don't get caught up in the minute things that are happening around you that don't have nothing to do with you don't get entangled in that focus Focus. There's no way you're going to win this race if you can't follow the simple rules. The simple rules of engagement. These are simple rules. You must be able to follow the rules if you're going to finish this race and if you're going to win. If you're going to be victorious, you must know how to preserve yourself because you have work to do. God has need of you, and he is reminding you today of how to preserve your strength. I'm continuing. Verse 6, it says, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. I'm still talking about how to maintain your strength in this section. So basically what he's saying here is if you work, get your money. If you work, get paid. Get paid. Be bold. Be bold about what you deserve. Be bold about what you deserve. Don't let people take your time, take your words, take your words, and they are too immature to process them and share them appropriately with another. You, ma'am or sir, are wasting your time and you're wasting your words and the end result is going to be frustration. I'm trying to save you frustration. I'm trying to save you aggravation. Listen to the prophetess. I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to save you. Ministers are leaving here every day, every day, whether it be by God's hand or their own, because they're frustrated. They gave their strength away. They did not preserve their strength. They didn't know how. They didn't understand that they were giving their words away to people who couldn't be trusted with them and were too immature to process and share them. They didn't understand that they were that they were dealing with immature people. They did not understand and they kept trying and trying and trying until they got so depressed 
that by God's hand or their own, they left here. They left here. They didn't understand how to articulate their worth. So they were taken advantage of and left here in depression. Come on, I'm trying to save you. God is trying to save you by teaching you how to preserve your strength. And then he says in verse seven, reflect on what I'm saying. Come on, leaders, listen, reflect on what I'm saying for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Reflect on what prophetess Marie is saying, and the Lord will give you insight into preservation. Preservation because you have work to do. Listen, there is a wisdom in our leadership that we need today, that the generations to come, they need today. They can't get it from you if you're in heaven. They need you to be here to give it to them, to show it to them, show it to them. And uh, one thing Timothy says in verse eight, and I love this verse right here. Remember Jesus Christ raises from the dead, descended from death, from David. And then he says, this is my gospel. I love that. I love that Paul says this is my gospel. See, I am 26 years in with my leader. And when I open my mouth, I will tell you what I believe and I will own what I believe because this is my gospel. When it was being taught to me, then it was the gospel according to what my leader taught me. But then it became my gospel. It became what I believe that Jesus was born, that Jesus did live, that he did die, that he is resurrected, that he is sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for me daily. This is my gospel now. So know what you believe. This is how you preserve your strength. Know what you believe and don't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And that even goes for the different ways that we hear things today, whether that be social media, whether we're reading books, don't be so easily tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that you're literally being yanked from here to there. And you're literally being guided like a, a misled child because you do not know what you believe. And then verse nine, he says, Listen, it is. This is good for which I am suffering, even to the point of being changed like a criminal. But God's word is not changed. There's freedom in God's word. Verse 10 says, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they, too, may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Know your why. Know your why. Know what you believe, but know why you believe it. You are doing this. I am in front of you today. I'm in front of you today, and I endure what it takes to be in front of you today so that you may obtain salvation in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. That's why I'm here. I know my why. Know your why. It's a trustworthy saying, Paul is saying in verse 11. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign. If we disown him, he disowns us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. 
full because he cannot disown himself. Keep reminding, verse 14 says, God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is, if it is of, it is, I'm sorry, it says it is of no value. It only ruins those who listen. Why are you in arguments and quarrels with people that it doesn't even matter? It has nothing to do with nothing. You have to keep reminding yourself leaders and reminding others. You don't quarrel. You don't, the Bible says here, you don't quarrel with, with, uh, what, what verse am I on? Do not, do not quarrel uh, with people in arguments, getting into arguments with things about things that don't, don't mean anything and only leave an, uh, an offense in its wake. Let me tell you something. I, I took a while. It took a while. I had to get older to realize that arguing gets you nowhere. It actually is a waste of your breath. Breath you could save for your old age. You could add another 30, 30 minutes, 45 hour, two hours onto your life just by not arguing with people. If listen, all I need to know, all I need is all I need to know is what I did to upset you and how I can fix it. This is what you did, but this is what I want. That's all I need to know. Past that, I don't hear anything. I don't hear anything. Because I refuse to quarrel. I refuse to argue. I refuse to go back and forth. It doesn't accomplish anything. And I'm about accomplishing something. There must be something finished, something attained at the end of that talk, at the end of that conversation. So I'm not going to let you waste my time on, on quarreling or going back and forth. I promise you, I'm, I'm going to do something else. Until you come back to yourself and then I'm going to be like, okay, now, but what did you want? Though? What would you like me to do? Because I'm not going to quarrel. We're not going to go back and forth. It doesn't do anything but leave a person just empty and drained and you have nothing good that has come out of it. Absolutely nothing good comes out of quarreling, nothing good. It has, the scripture says, no value. And it only ruins those who listen. They only get offended. They only get offended. I don't even bother. If something happens that I don't like, I, I will say, this is what happened. <coughs> this is what I'd like to see happen next time. And I'm done. There's no point. And that, that requires a certain level of maturity to be to the point where you're not going to argue. Listen, when I got married, uh, let's see, 29, almost 29 years ago, in April, it'll be 29 years. When I got married, my husband said to me, listen, we will never argue. If there's something that uh, you, we disagree with and we can't discuss it, then we'll walk away and come back when we can calmly discuss it. But we will never argue. And we'll be 29 years in April and we've never, ever argued. I mean, I'd be arguing with myself because he's not going to argue back. He refuses to participate. So I never, I've never I've never bothered because what's the point? He already made it clear that is not an option that's on the table. So we don't argue. We talk it out. We talk it out. This is what you did. This is what I would like to see if it's at all possible. Well, no, that's not possible. Okay, but well then tell me what is possible. 
You know, there, the negotiations have to pursue, but we're not going to, there's no quarreling going back and forth. It says in verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God, um, to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed or who correctly handles the truth. You want to be one that can handle the truth of God and honesty and sincerity throughout your everyday life. This is not this is not a one time thing. This word of God is true and it is applicable to your everyday life. You can apply it just like I showed you here where it talked about warn them against quarreling about words. It is of no value. It only ruins those who listen. That's my life. I live that every day. Don't quarrel. It's not going to be, do anything but leave. Excuse me leave an offense in its wake. And so I am operating and one who is handling the word of truth and I'm handling it in truth. I'm applying it to my life as it was meant to be applied. I'm not, I'm not uh, doctoring it, changing it, switching it around and making it fit my context. I'm fitting its context. Then that way the word can govern our life. We must stop thinking that we can take the word of God and reshape it into our context. And then we disappoint it when it doesn't work. No, we are to be reshaped into its context. And then the word of God can effectively do because God is a man of truth. He is a God of truth. He can only be effective in truth, in truth. He's never going to operate in a lie. He's never going to operate in a lie. My mother used to say back in the day, and I'm sure you guys have heard this before. Your parents had to have said this to you. If you lie, you'll cheat. If you cheat, you'll steal. If you'll steal, you'll kill. You ever heard that? That was something my mother used to always say. So she made you feel like, Lord Jesus, if you lie, you just miss well, you're going to jail because you're going to kill somebody eventually. So I took a while to learn with my fascination of lying as a child that, you know, nope, this is not going to work out for you. You're going to have to let that go. You have to let that go. And you got one of two choices. You can stop talking so much, then you won't have to lie. That's number one. Number two, don't answer questions that haven't been asked. You'd be surprised at how much, how much less lying you do if you stop talking so much. And then if you don't answer questions that haven't been asked, right? There's this little sidebar, just a little sidebar. Cost you nothing, cost you nothing. And then you need to understand verse 16. It says, avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Avoid chatter that has nothing to do, that has no godly purpose. Is this conversation going to get me anywhere? Am I going to learn anything from this conversation that is going to make my walk, give me a better understanding of my walk with God? Then why have it? Then why have it? And I mean, like even when you're even when you're in the workplace, there are there are conversations that you can have about your work that help you to do your work better. And God says that everything that we do, we should do it in a, in a, in a, in, a, in the space of excellency, as if we're doing it unto Him. So I want to have a conversation that's going to help me do my work better, but I don't need to have all the idle conversations about nothing that has nothing to do with how what's of something that's going to make me a better person. That's going to give me insight into something that's going to help me to be better in God. Verse 17, it says their teaching will spread like gangrene. We've all seen it. Among them are Hymenaeus and Phileas who have departed from the truth. The goal is not to depart 
from the truth. The goal is to stay, to maintain, to maintain your why, to maintain your strength. The goal has to be to not depart from the truth. Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the gap in our faith. This is a huge gap. We depart from the truth. We introduce something in there by way of our words, too many, by way of too many words, we introduce one thing in there that is not true. Now the lie has begun. And once you tell one lie, you have to tell another lie to cover up that lie. Then you have to tell another lie to cover up the last two lies. Now you're a liar. Now we're not sure what we can trust that comes out of your mouth. Why? Because you slowly departed from truth, departed from truth. Verse 19 says, God's solid foundation stands firm. It is sealed with his inscription. The Lord, the Lord knows those who are his. Who am I talking to today? I'm talking to those that the Lord knows are his. Those are the people he's trying to preserve because he's shifting you. He's moving you and he will do the work because he's already got the plan, but you must maintain the work that he does in you. And this is what he's sharing with us today, how to preserve our strength. He's telling us today, there are simple, simple means. Don't give your words away to people who aren't reliable or qualified to teach others. Don't be afraid of suffering. Don't get engaged in affairs that have nothing to do with you. Civilian affairs, civilian affairs. And then he's telling you, run the race according to the rules that have been set before you. Know what you believe and know why you believe it. You can hold on to your truth a lot better if you understand your why. If you know how to maintain your why. Maintaining your why is simply don't depart from the truth. Stick with the truth. It's okay. Listen, it's okay if you can't, if you do not want to share something, it's okay to say, I don't want to share that rather than lie. It's okay to do that because once you tell one lie, I said it before, you have to tell another one to cover up that one, another one to cover up, cover up that one. Now you're a liar. Why? Simply because you departed from truth. You departed from truth. And it says here in verse 20, I'm skipping down, in a large house, there are articles not good, not only of gold and silver. There are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments. Those who cleanse themselves from common use will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Come on, know what you've got. Know what's in your house. There's gold, there's silver, there's wood, and there's clay. Know how to use what's in your house. That's a lesson I'm learning right now. Know how to use what's in your house. There's gold, there's silver, there's wood, there's clay. Some things are for common use. 
Some things are for special purposes. You hear me, leaders? Some people are for common use. Some people are for special purposes. Know the gold, know the silver, know the wood, know the clay, and use them appropriately. Don't try to make the clay do what the gold is doing. Don't try to make the silver do what the gold is doing. Don't even try to make the wood do what the clay is doing. Don't try to use the wood for the purpose that you would use the clay. You must use the gold for what it's intended for, the silver for what it's intended for, and the same for the wood and the clay. Know what's special purpose and know what's common use. Or you will frustrate your grace. You will frustrate your strength. And this is what Paul is telling Timothy. Pay attention, man. Know what's gold, know the silver, know the wood, and know the clay. Know that which has cleansed itself and that, and know that it has special use. It has special purpose. But know that which has not cleansed itself and just use it for common use. Don't mix the two or you will frustrate your grace and lose your strength. Come on, leaders, hear me now. You got a work to do, but to do it, you have to live. You have to live. You have to know what to let go of and what to hold on to, what to keep at a distance, what to bring close, what to put, what goes left to your left and what goes to your right, what comes to the front, what goes to the back. You have to know that. And as Timothy, as Paul told Timothy, when he said to him, um, reflect on what I am saying to you and the Lord will give you insight, reflect on what prophet is king is saying to you through the example of Timothy and Paul here, and God will give you insight. He will break this thing further down for you. He will open your eyes. He will open your eyes to what is gold, what is silver, what is wood, what is clay. He will open your eyes to how you're dispensing your strength that's draining you. He will open your eyes to those that are reliable and those that are not, those that are capable to teach and those that are not. He will show you what's of common use and what has special purpose. He will show you this. So now you must know how to maintain that which you've had. And simply put, verse 22 says, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness. You know, years ago, years ago, my leader taught me how you must deal with things. You must deal with things, even little things, when you're young in God, because if not, they will show up as an adult, show up on that platform, show up in that pulpit, show up on that stage, they will show up. Did you not know that a whoremonger in the pulpit today was nothing but, uh, let's say, a playboy as a child? Did you not know that? They just never dealt with it when in their youth. So now they're in the pulpit. So now they're in the pulpit whoring when they were doing the same thing as a child. They never dealt with it. They never allowed anyone to deal with them with it. So they bought it throughout the ages till now they're in a pulpit sleeping with all the females in their church. Um, The female is sleeping with all the males in her church because she never dealt with it. 
when she was younger. We must flee evil desires of our youth. Deal with it while you're young. Teach yourself now how to pursue righteousness, how to chase after right standing in God. Understand now what that means, what that looks like. Do I need to fast? Do I need to stay away from watching these types of shows on TV? Do I need to pray at this time of day? Because this time of day is too late. And by then I've already gotten into trouble. Do I need to stay away from these people, these type of people, because this takes me down different road. Know your strengths and know your, you know, people don't like the word weakness. So we say opportunities. Know your strengths and know your opportunities. Know your strengths and know your weaknesses. No. Know where you, know where you can give the enemy opportunity in your life. Know where, and you have to govern that. This is how you maintain what you've got. You must govern you. You must govern you. Flee evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. He's even telling Timothy here who your company should be. Flee the evil desires of your youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. But just in case you can't do it by yourself, go along with those who call out on the Lord out of a pure heart. Follow their example until you can hold your own. But don't go getting in a pulpit. Don't go getting in front of people, Mike, and you still have yet to flee the desires of your youth. Don't have anything to do with, he's telling them again, foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. How do you know what those arguments are? They are the arguments that don't say, this is what I received, but this is what I'd like to receive. Anything past that is what I would refer to, this is me talking, foolish and stupid. It has nothing to do with nothing. Tell me what you got, then tell me what you'd like to get. And then we can move on. Real simple, because we got work to do. We can't be an hour, two hours quarreling, don't have time. Got work to do. Got work to do. You just wasted two hours. I'll never get that back in my life. Wasting my time quarreling. No, tell me what, what you receive. Now tell me what you like to receive. And then I'll give you what you like to receive if it's in my power. If it's not, then it's just not. Real simple. We don't have to keep going back and forth, back and forth. Verse 24, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. Be kind to everyone, able to teach. Here's that a phrase again. Here's that phrase again that tells you that that is very important. Paul mentioned it twice. You must be able to teach not resentful. I, you know, I told my leader one time, I said, I don't have time to be resentful or to stay angry with people because then I have to remember every time you come in my presence that I'm angry. And that's a lot of effort to try and remember that I'm supposed to be angry because that's not my nature just to walk around angry all the time. So that means I got to put forth a special effort to when you walk in the room and I say, hell hi, instead I got to walk away. I got to remember that every time I see you, don't got time. Don't got time. It's much easier to hug you and love you and move on. It's much easier. It says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. They produce quarrels. Don't be quarrelsome. Be able to teach. That means anything you take in spiritually, what you take in, you should be able to teach that to someone. 
You should be, listen, what I'm taught, I can go into my workplace and someone could say something and I could break down their truth without even quoting the scripture. Just change it into common words and break down their truth. Real easy. Change it into plain English and I can break down their truth. And they'll walk away and be like, I never even thought of it like that. Yep. They don't even know that they just heard, you know, Ephesians 6 and 11. They don't even know that I just gave that. They don't even know scripture like that. They just know, wow, she just said, well, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Because you got to, you got to, Know what their truth is, and then you have to slowly break it down. Slowly break it down. You have to be able to teach. Have to be able to teach. To teach. Verse twenty-five. Opponents must be gently instructed. So I gently instruct my opponents. You're I'm a, the opposition. You think? Tell you telling me what you understand, and I'm telling you what I know. And what I know eats away and slowly breaks down the words that you've given your understanding over to until there's no more of your words there. I've replaced them. I've replaced them. It's very strategic. I've replaced them with truth. I broke down your false truth and put truth in its place and put real truth, God's truth in its place in the hope that God would grant you repentance and lead you to a knowledge of truth and that they verse 26 says will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will my goal is always to break you free even to to allow you to break you free long enough to make an intelligent decision to break you free long enough for you to make an honest truthful decision to break you free long enough for you to see and hear and understand the truth if i can just get you to understand the truth one sentence at a time one sentence at, one sentence at a time this is what we're doing here on monday evenings my goal is to show you what's already in the bible What's all the truth that's already right there that you have yet to fully walk in? What is the point in giving you deep knowledge and revelation and you haven't even understood the truth that's right in front of your face? I'm trying to show you what's right in front of your face. And ladies and gentlemen, in front of our face tonight, we see Paul advising Timothy, who is now alone on how to be strong and grow how to maintain his strength. He's instructing him because Timothy is frustrated with these people. And he's told Timothy, this is how you're going to maintain your strength. You're going to give your words to people that are reliable and that can teach others. You're not going to be afraid of the suffering. You're not going to get involved in civilian affairs. You are going to win this race by following the rules that the Bible that I have given you through the word of God, Paul is telling him. And then he's telling him, now, listen, if you work and you know you've done honest work, you should be the first one to get paid and don't let nobody tell you any different. He's telling him the way you're going to preserve yourself is speak up. You want to speak up. And then he tells him, you need to know what you believe when he says, this is my gospel. Remember what I taught you. Know what you believe. And then he says, and then you need to know why you believe what you believe and how to maintain what you believe, which is don't depart from the truth. Stick what the truth and stick with the truth. And he's telling Timothy to know what you have. Know what the goal in the house that you manage, in the church house that you manage, in the people that you manage. Know what's gold, silver, wood, and clay. Know what's special purpose and know 
know what's common use, know what has cleansed themselves so that God could use them and know what has not and use that for common use and don't get it mixed up. He's trying to help Timothy preserve his strength. He's trying to help Timothy live. He's telling him, know how to maintain what you have, which means don't, don't get, don't be going backwards. Flee those desires of your youth. I know that I know some of the women you're looking at, Timothy, are beautiful. No. That, that was when you were a kid. You got to run these people now. You got to run this church now. You got to make sure these people understand what God is saying to them for their lives. You don't have time. You got to focus. You have to focus and you focus out of that pure heart. And if you're getting weak, then get around some folk with a pure heart so that you can maintain righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And he's telling Timothy here, don't be arguing with people. No, no, no quarreling, no arguing with people. And he said, and those that oppose you, you have to gently instruct them. Gently. Timothy is probably arguing with those that oppose me. No, 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 no. No quarreling, no arguing. You gently, you gently instruct those that oppose you with the truth of God's word. And you pray and you give them that truth just so that God can give them an opportunity. That just in case God gives them an opportunity in that little piece of time that you're giving them the truth, that God would be able to prick their heart and give them an opportunity for repentance and lead them to the knowledge of truth. He's instructing Timothy here on how to maintain his strength, how to maintain his strength. See, ladies and gentlemen, if you're talking about, like we were a few weeks ago, the gap in our faith, a lot of times the gap in our faith comes in because we do not know how to maintain our strength. We're like hot today and cold tomorrow. Then we lukewarm the next day after that. We don't know how to maintain. Sunday was just yesterday. Most of you have probably already forgotten what your leader taught or forgotten what you've heard, and you sh which means you haven't applied it. So you already have, have, uh, have lost a level of strength just in the day. Just in a day, you've already, already presented a little gap, a gap in your faith. You already got a little gap in your faith. The goal is for that gap not to widen. The goal is for the gap not to widen. So you need to know how to maintain your strength. This is how you maintain it. Go over this, read this, go to 2 Timothy 2 and read this and understand what Paul is instructing Timothy as a leader, how he's instructing him on how to maintain his strength, how to be strong in the grace, how to be strong in grace. That's what we're talking about today, ladies and gentlemen, how to be strong in grace. And to be strong in grace, you must understand how to maintain your strength. I want you to go through this and I want you to practice this. Listen, this is not this is not the type of, uh, our walk with Christ is not just deposited and we can walk off and be wonderful. There is something for us to do. We must be able to maintain what God, what is imparted to us. And we must be able to, we must put it in, and I should say to maintain it, we must put it in practice. That means that until it becomes a part of what you do and you just do it, that yes, you have to consciously, consciously practice it. You have to pause and will it to be so. You have to pause and be like, okay, wait a minute. This is a quarrel. I'm not going to participate. This is an argument. I'm not going to participate. No, wait a minute. 
I told this person something last time and they did nothing with it. I'm not going to give them my words. It's a conscious effort. This is what you're responsible for. What Paul is telling Timothy here is what Timothy is responsible for. This is what Timothy must do in order to be strong in grace. This is what he must do. He must maintain his strength. He must know what he believes. He must be encouraged in what he believes. And he must be vocal about what he believes. But he doesn't have to uh, kill his opponent. He can, he can teach him. He can teach him in gentleness because God might prick the opponent's heart so that the opponent is drawn to repentance. This is the same thing for us. Read this. Let it guide your life. Let this truth guide your life so that you can be strengthened and encouraged to do the work that God has assigned to your hands. Let's pray. God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today. I thank you today for life. I thank you for health. I thank you for strength. And most of all, I thank you for the truth of your word. And I thank you, oh God, that that you raise us up in your likeness and in your image so that we're able to contain this truth. And I thank you, oh God, that you seek after us. You seek after us and you pursue us until we understand, until we comprehend your purpose for our lives. And we submit to that purpose and we willingly submit God to the purpose that you have for our lives. We willingly submit. We willingly apply truth to guide our lives. We willingly yield to the Holy Spirit to guide our lives. And I thank you, oh God, that this word, God, that this word will is transferring throughout throughout the world right now that leaders would be strengthened that leaders would be encouraged that leaders might stand in the full strength of God and be able to direct the people of God to the truth of God and i thank you God that you saw fit to rescue us to rescue us from the, from the deceptions of the enemy, that all is well. I thank you, God, that you open our eyes once again to what you require of us, what you have done for us and through us, and how we can maintain that. And we give you all glory, we give you all honor, and we give you all praise because you're great and because you're wonderful. I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me on this evening. We will be here again on Monday at 7 p.m. And I look forward to seeing you then. Until then, don't give up and don't let go. Now, remember, if you'd like to donate to this podcast, the information is on your screen. I hope to hear from you. If this word blessed you, then bless this podcast. Thank you so much and have a good evening. I'll see you on next Monday. I said there's so much more on the inside of you.